0: Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. All right, Judges chapter 13. I'll be there in just a moment. I'm starting a new series today called Intensives. In an intensive, you hear it more of a kind of a business or corporate setting, is uh, uh, information concentrated in a singular area or subject in a short time. So I'm doing kind of a series of, of uh, kind of one, one messages that you could do in series. I'm just kind of combining them uh, uh, into one. Today I'm going to talk about family and parenting and those kind of things about your kids. There are resources at guest services as well. There's some free books for parents. Number one book is called The Talk uh, from Luke Gilkerson. It's seven lessons you need to teach your kids about biblical sexuality. If you've got younger kids, you need to address that now. We've got to we gotta, we gotta address it now. It's free. It's at guest services. Uh, the other is a spiritual parenting, 14 gospel principles to teach your kids. This is if they're a little older, uh, just some some topics and some information to help you kind of educate yourself and address these things uh, with with your kids. And I'll, I'll just be talking about those uh, 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 just a little later. So, Judges 13 and I want to talk and I kind of just titled it teach us how to bring up this child It's the quote of the passage that i'm about to read and if you're a young adult here and you are Like parenting. Oh my goodness. Let me clock out this morning I say no because there'll be a day That you'll hear the cries from a faint bedroom and you're gonna have the fear that this guy prayed so now now is a time to kind of build and shepherd some things in your heart how you would you would handle uh, children. So, uh, Judges 13, I'm not reading the whole story, but an angel came to Samson's mother and said, you're going to bear a child, and he's going to be a great leader, and here's how I want you to raise him. And she goes back to her husband, Manoah, and she tells him the story of the angel appearing, and this is the prayer of Manoah. It said, Manoah prayed to the Lord. <clears throat> Pardon your, ser- your servant, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come again and teach us how to bring up the child who is to be born. Hey, we need some help. We're We, are, we realize we are at a deficit here. And then they ask another question. What is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work, all right? Can you give us some instructions? What is the guidelines that we can raise him like you have called? Now, that's the thinking of every parent, especially when you hold the infant, your very first one, the very first time. Do you remember just feeling overwhelmed, going, there is no Human on the earth that is more unprepared for this moment than I. Everybody kind of prays that. I will never have enough money, you know, like I can't do homework, you know. How many of you remember when your kids, the grade your kids were in when you realized you could no longer help them with their homework? I'm not going to tell you what that grade was for me, but thank God for Google and YouTube, okay? Um, you know, So it doesn't take long to understand the prayer of Manoah. Hey, we need some help. What's the, what are the rules? What are the guidelines? And the, the prayer that comes back says, I've already told your wife everything that she needs to do. Now listen to me. Our kids are, going, are coming of age in the time of the greatest spiritual conflict the world has ever seen. Okay, they're coming of age. And at this moment, we need godly, spirit-filled, courageous, discerning parenting. We've got to have it. You, You have got to be more on guard spiritually in this generation if you're a parent than ever before. Now, I want to say two, all right? There's no perfect families. There's no perfect parents. There's no perfect kids. All the parents say amen to that. There, 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 there's, no, there's no perfect example out there. All right. We just do our best, okay, to to, uh, uh, to, to help our kids. Now, <clears throat> I wanna I'm gonna I'm gonna make an embarrassing admission this morning. I want to tell you about my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, okay? And I'm embarrassed to tell you, I'm not very proud of this moment, but they're going to put the graphic up there of my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies. Ready? There you go. All right. All right. It's not a proud man moment for me. I just want to tell you that, okay? I don't know why, but I love this movie, okay? And uh, I'm embarrassed to tell you this morning that I have the entire soundtrack on my phone, I probably know half the words of Edelweiss. I could probably sing that. And probably 10 or 12 years ago, Becky, my sister and brother-in-law, which are here, we did the Sound of Music tour, and we toured the gazebo. You will know what that is, okay? This is not a proud moment for me. A proud admission, but I'll do anything to make an illustration here. So the story, you see, uh, well, the, uh, Maria, here's the kids. Maria is the central theme, the central lady on the on the left. The story is, and it's a true story, of, of uh, Baron von Trapp. He was a widower during World War II. He lived in Austria, and he uh, had seven kids. His wife had passed away, and they sent Angelic Maria to be the nanny, during this time, so her and the captain, they fall in love, okay? But also, it's during the time that the Nazis are occupying uh, not occupying Austria. So you've got this international tension in the midst of the love story. It's in Bavaria. You just want to sing the sound of music. And I've always loved it. I've always loved it. I try to watch it once a year, and again, I'm not proud of that. I just want to say that, all right? But several years ago, I watched the documentary on the Von Trapp, the real Von Trapp family, and I was horrified, okay? Maria to the left, and you see her on the right. That's the the real family. She's sitting in the middle, all right? Maria on the left was angelic, and Maria on the right had an issue with profanity, all right? Maria on the left was so patient, Maria on the right threw things around the house. She threw things at her children, okay? Maria on the right was so, you know, patient when it came, or on the left when it came to her kids, Maria on the right, she was having a behavior issue with one of her children. She took her to the doctor and gave shock treatments to her brain, okay? So what I'm telling you and, and it's encapsulated on this picture. Everybody's got this image of a kind of a perfect family, but everybody's got issues in their own family as well. There's nobody that's perfect in this thing at all. No one that is perfect. Since I watched the documentary, I don't know that I watch the movie as much anymore. Then I've kind of looked, you know, kind of looked behind, look behind the scenes. So. There's no perfect family. There's no perfect parents. I just want to say that to you, up front. Now I want to just talk through, walk through, just quickly some things about about parenting personally and about parenting, kind of, kind of your kids. So, uh, a few things. How do I personally live out my faith in my life? It's it's all about number one. Before we talk about parental skill, it is about my personal walk with the Lord and living for Jesus, okay? A few weeks ago, I preached on Josiah. If you remember this story, he didn't know anything about the Lord. He was, a, he was a king of Judah. And all of a sudden, they came and read the Bible to him for the very first time. And he started to weep, and he started to cry. And God did something in his life. And man, he started major reforms you know, throughout, uh, throughout Judah. It, it says he finally, these kings did good in the eyes of the Lord. He destroyed the high places of worship that his father had instituted. He took down the altars that were built for Baal... But but they were in the temple of the Lord. He stopped child sacrifice. He stopped, you know, divination and consulting with mediums. He stopped, I mean, he reigned over 20 years, and he's one of the most righteous kings that ever lived. I mean, great story. But then Josiah dies, and his son takes over. And when you read, it just kind of pierces the heart, 2 Kings 23 and 31, it says, Joahaz was 23 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem three months. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, just as his predecessors had done. All of this that happened in Josiah's life, that happened in his heart, that happened professionally, never got down into his home. Never, excuse me, never got down to his kids at all. And in one moment, one moment, everything that he had lived for was gone because there was some kind of disconnect with his family. So I want to talk about that for just a moment. So parents, let's talk personally about your your personal life. Number one, let them know that you follow Jesus, okay? Just don't assume because you get in the car and you come to church together that they know what has happened in your life. There's a point that your kids need to hear the story of your faith. They need to hear about the time that you surrendered your life to Christ. And maybe a couple of times over their life. I wonder if Josiah ever did that. I wonder if he ever sat down with his son and said, you got to know, there was a day that they read the Bible to me. And man, I started to weep and God did something in my, you know, in, in my heart. Listen, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be perfect to be a good parent. But, but, but living this thing out personally is making sure they know your faith story. And if you haven't told that in a while, sit down and, and let them know that, man, this just isn't something we do as a group. There is a reason why we go to church on Sunday. There is a reason why I serve the Lord. Next, do your best to live a godly life. Do your best. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect. We just do our best. And we think a lot of parenting is about our parental skill, but really the foundation of that is my own heart with God, my own walk, my own walk with God. Okay. And most parents want their kids to have a solid relationship with God. That will not happen unless it's lived before them. So just do your best. Just do your best to be regular, faithful, and consistent. Listen to me. It is very difficult as a children's pastor and a youth pastor to take your kids spiritually beyond what they see at home. It's very difficult to do that. So, so we want to do our best when it comes to home. And I, I want to say you are the greatest spiritual influence that they have one way or the other. You have the greatest proximity. You have the greatest time. You have the greatest influence over your kids. You are the one. You are the one that sets the parameters spiritually one way or another. So just do your best, okay? You don't have to live perfect. You don't have to live perfect, but just do your best to live a godly life. How about this? Be generous with love, compliments, and hugs, okay? You know, sometimes we specialize in continually reinforcing the negative. We point out, and and listen, there's a lot of negative. Let me just tell you that, all right? But sometimes all of our verbal communication is negative, okay? So let's be generous when it comes to compliments. Let's Let's let them feel, touch, hugs. Let's let them hear on a regular basis that we, we love them and that we are proud of them. And that kind of verbal and physical reinforcements creates security and, and an internal, you know, kind of balance in the hearts of a child. It develops confidence and trust and emotional well-being and security that is important to a child. So let's be generous When it comes to, you know what, I love you. That's a great report card. Even if you've got to fudge a little bit on that. You know, you're doing great. Hey, I just want you to know, I love you. Let me hug you. Let me give you a kiss before you go to bed. Those are huge things in the life of a kid. How about this? Just kind of your life. Make your home a fun place for friends to hang out. No amens to that. (laughs) Now, this may not work for everyone, But when you open your home to the kids, it shows that you care about their life, all right? Now, this is going to cost you some money, let me tell you, okay? Lots of pizza, lots of chicken wings, all right? Probably a gaming system, it's going to cost you. Nail polish, it's going to cost you. If you have teenage boys, your house is going to smell different. I just want to tell you that. You're probably going to have to have your carpet cleaned and your sheetrock repaired. But over the course of their life, they will remember those moments in your home, okay? They will remember those moments that you made an investment, that you cared about the whole, the totality, (coughs) excuse me, the totality of their life. And it's great. When they and their friends feel comfortable at your home, and I want to say this, it's also a way to be a witness to the the neighborhood as well. When those kids come in your home and it's a godly home and those parents trust you, it's a way that you can kind of minister to your, your neighborhood. I want to give you something else personally, all right? Be in the moment when you're at home. These moments pass quickly, okay? I have learned that over the past year. I had a daughter that got married, moved back to college, all on the same weekend, okay? So I want to say, be in the moment when you're home, because those days pass quickly. Those of you that have small kids are going, no, they don't. They drag out. They're, they're longer days. They're like 36-hour days, all right? <clears throat> I want to remind you when you were at home, don't be distracted, unfocused. You never unplug. You're present, but you're not there. You're not engaged with them verbally or connecting in any way. You are all in the same house, but you're not connecting. You are sharing meals, but you're not sharing lives. Silence to a kid when you are unfocused but still in the house can be devastating. Subconsciously, they might wonder, am I not good enough to even get their attention for a few moments from work or sports or whatever? The term they use today is called a social orphan. Okay. So you're in the house together. You're in the house together, but they feel like an orphan. There's no connection. And we need to be careful for that. I have a little video. <coughs> I want to show you a man. He's doing his wife a favor. He, he's going to take the baby to work, but he's, he's got so much going on. Lots of things happening in his life, but he's going to do this for his wife and his baby. There you go. There you go. Show that once more. Show that once more. Got a lot going on. Can you repeat that? There you go. Wants to help his wife. Lots of things happening at the office. Load the baby up. I'm going to take her to daycare. That's what I'm going to do because I love my family. Well, there you go. All right. How many of you women go, hey, I'm married to that man there? (laughs) You're there? but you're not focused, you're, you're distracted, okay? So, listen, we, we want to make sure, if we want to make an impact on our kids, when we're there, we need to be there. Put the phone down, if you got to work a little bit, go work and then, and then stop. But we never really unplug and dial in to our kids. So, you know, how do I personally live out my faith and my life? The second part, <clears throat> how do I disciple And teach my kids. How do I disciple and teach my kids? So this is more kind of the public part of that. Judges 2 said, and it's kind of like with Josiah. A generation grew up who knew not God or the things he did. They'd come out of the era of Moses. They moved into Judges. And for whatever reason, there was a generation, look at that, who knew not God or the things he did. Okay. It's sad. It's a heart-rending passage again uh, disconnect, you know, they're disconnected spiritually, though. The modeling component, the communication component, you know, was not there. So, a whole generation, one generation from the great exploits of Moses, they raised up not knowing God and they never heard the stories as well. So, I want to talk about discipling and teaching. And disciple is just spiritual instruction, it's giving spiritual instruction to them. So, a, a few things this morning. Church attendance and at-home Bible teaching and practice, it's so important. Attend regularly and be in church with your kids, all right? And I don't know who, I'm going to put a quote up here. It's not original with me. Parents who treat the church as optional should not be surprised when their children end up treating Jesus as unnecessary, okay? So if you wake up every Sunday morning and go, ah, are we going, are we not going, you know, and that may be fine for you, but the next generation, they'll blow it off altogether, okay? We, we need to show that the house of the Lord on the Sabbath is important, okay? We, we kind of, you know, if we don't have anything else planned, we'll go, All right? But we need to be more intentional when it comes to the house of the Lord. Your kids need to be in the house of the Lord. They need to hear the word of the Lord. They may not ever walk out and go, man, that was touching. But there's a seed of God's word that is planted in their heart. They need to be in the presence of God. They may never acknowledge to you the emotional impact that it's had upon them. But you never know how God is speaking and touching. They need to meet the people of God. There are modeling relationships, role models that that God can set up in their life that they'll never know if if they're not in the house of the Lord. I want to say this. And look, I believe in all kinds of extracurriculars. I played sports my whole life. I think it's good and healthy. If people want to take piano, they want to be in the band, they want to play sports, but what I see is the extracurriculars are winning way more than the spiritual formation. Okay? I don't care, you know, like, I I don't care if people are involved with other things. I care about the spiritual formation of their life. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter to me if they get a scholarship or they make a lot of money playing the piano or they, you know, uh, 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 walk out all of their pursuits. If they miss heaven, then we've made poor value judgments as parents. So I don't care what they do, but there's gotta be a balance there where spiritual formation is just as important as the extracurriculars, okay? All right, I'm done with that. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. So get them to the house of the Lord. Really? Ready for this? Pray over your meals. Pray over. Listen, you go, well, that's that's simple. No, it's a bigger deal when in the busyness of life a family sits down for a moment. And they bow their heads and they give thanks to God. That sounds so small, but it is a huge teaching moment to kids and to families to go, listen, there's homework, there's jobs, there's all kinds of things that we need to do. But as a family, we're going to sit down for a moment and we're going to pray and we're going to give thanks to God. All right? We don't do that much anymore, but I think it's an important discipling thing. And I want to say, too, I think it's important to pray with your kids before they go to bed. I know when they're teenagers, that's a little different, okay? But especially when they're small, so we're integrating prayer a few times through the day. And I want to say, too, when you pray for them before they go to bed, do not use the prayer, if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Your kids will never go to sleep, and whoever wrote that prayer did not have children. I want to say that. All right? Something else. Play worship music in your home. and just set a different atmosphere, okay? You know, when you get up in the morning, instead of having the news or whatever, you know, we put out a playlist that's on YouTube. We put a playlist that's out. Just play, just play worship music. It just... It's a different atmosphere at night when just people are kind of doing things. Just put some worship music on in your in your house, your favorite artists, your favorite songs. It it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but it can just, it's just a for another formative way of just reminding our families and filling, filling our homes with the presence of God. Take time as a family to worship and grow in your faith. I I believe in family devotions, okay? Always, always done that with our kids. As family, on occasions, we need to sing, pray, read, talk, and discuss. You know, the Lord, listen to me. They cannot grow up in a home that never discusses God or his word. They cannot do it. We come to church, but at home, it's never mentioned. So, I mean, there's all kinds of ways, especially that we can do things as family to kind of encourage our, our family and their faith. At least a couple of times a week, we can do that. When my kids are small, man, we did crafts. We did crayons. We did age-appropriate devotions, you know, when we were teaching them about Moses and, uh, you know, and, the, and the, the, the Israelites. You know, we had, uh, it was a devotion. They'll still tell you about this. Uh, so we were teaching them the story of the manna and the quail, So I told them they were little kids, lay down on the floor, and I took the dimmer switch on the lights, and I said, so the Israelites went to sleep at night. I took a box of frosted flakes, and I said, but God was worried about them being hungry, so he provided manna. And I threw frosted flakes all over the room. And I said, in the morning, when the sun came up, he told the Egyptians, go gather the quail. Now get up. Man, they started just gathering frosted flakes, popping it in. And I said, that, but then it was out, and they went back to sleep. They went back to sleep, and I threw more frosted flakes out, and we did that. Now, let me tell you, they didn't go to sleep that night. I don't know why. They were jittery. But it's a way that you teach kids. You use age-appropriate things, so we did that. And then the last devotion that we did before you know, Kelsey got married. We went through the book Chasing Love by Sean McDowell. It's a it's a college-age book on sexual ethics that we discussed. Some of it was very uncomfortable to me, okay, discussing with daughters. But I did not want my kids to think that my faith and what we do is only done on this property, all right? So, and I want to say, like, We have resources. We can help you. There's stuff on YouTube and right now media. If you want to maybe do a little more, you know, throughout the week, we have resources. We can help you, but I think it's it's important. Take advantage of conversations to teach God's word. Uh, Deuteronomy says, so as your children may fear the Lord. Talk about the principles of God when you sit at home, when you walk down the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. He's just saying take advantage, it's not just of the teaching moments, but of the life moments that happen. All right. So when there's a death in the family, there's an opportunity to talk when someone needs a healing or someone has got a healing. When there's an issue in your family, there's always time to kind of go back and do verbal reinforcement of God's word and God's principles there. So this is is not to pastors. This is to parents. He's saying take advantage of the casual conversation, the discipling moments. Take advantage of that. Be prepared to teach and defend a biblical worldview when you're older, all right? Listen, uh, sexuality, drugs, and alcohol, faith and science. When they get a little older, they're going to have questions at school, and we need to have some kind of answer, some kind of response. There's all kinds of resources out there as well, but you've got to know there's going to be a lot of questions about faith that are going to arise, and it may surface, you know, may surface in your home, and we need to be ready for that. We just, you know, we just can't have, you know, no, no answer, no response to that as well, all right? And then part of teaching is correcting and discipline as well, all right? We're not just out here throwing out free information. When you violate the family rules, there's a cost, okay? Amen? I mean, a part of that is teaching and discipling. You know, like, my dad is here this morning. He was the Indiana Jones of the belt. I was raised in a different era, okay? Like, my dad could snap a fly off a Waterford crystal and never move the water at all. He was very skilled because he had lots of practice with my two younger brothers, one of which is here, all right? So I want to say discipline and correction is important. Now, David, King David, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and he killed Uriah, you notice something in his life. Even though his family started to stray, he never said anything to them. I had a son that raped a stepdaughter. Two of his sons trying to overtake the kingdom. I mean, there was moral chaos But David never said a word of correction, even though he was the king. Listen to me. Because there are times in your life that you go, man, I've got my own issues. I'm so imperfect in my own life. Who am I to teach God's word? Who am I? I'm not the moral example to that. And I just want to say to you, I realize realize that, but... Man, we, we, we cannot be silent when it comes to correction and moral teaching and, and moral training. And David, you know, ceased to be a parent because he felt like he lost his moral authority to kind of to lead and to kind of teach. He was afraid to confront his children about their behavior because his own issues in his own life. He asked God for forgiveness, Psalms 51 but he never said anything to his family. So I say to you, if you're going, I've blown it. Who am I to teach? You know, I have no moral authority. Then I say, you stand before your family and you acknowledge your sin. And you go, you, can't, you go, listen, I blew it in my life. I blew it. I've asked God to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me, okay? And I want you to know, with all that in my past, I'm going to try to be the best parent that I can and teach you, but I want you to know that I've failed, I've sinned, but I'm I'm going to do my best going forward. Okay, that's about the only way to turn it, and then you start to live it the best that you can. But we cannot go in this day and age because I've got iniquity and issues in my life. I I have no moral authority to say anything to my kids. Then you're leading to a moral disaster. When you read what, what happened in David's family's life, you'll see what happens when when no one's there to speak any kind of comfort and any kind or any kind of correction. Last point: Worship team can come. <clears throat> how do I pray over my kids? How do I pray? How do I pray over my kids? Job chapter one. It's this uh, of all the things about Job, this got my attention. It says, his sons used to hold feasts in their homes on birthdays. When they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them, when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Look what he did. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Look at this verse. This was Job's regular custom. Every morning he got up. He said, I got to pray for my kids. I got to. Maybe something has happened. I got to intercede. I got to offer a burnt sacrifice for his kids. All right. I said earlier that we're living in a time that this is the greatest spiritual conflict the world's ever known. And man, when, when it comes to parents, it's not just about parental skill. It's also going to be about intercession as well. Praying over our kids, praying over, discipling and teaching are part of it. But this, and, and we started with the text of Manoah, praying, asking God for his help. So in a moment, in a moment, we're, we're going to pray. In a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to we're gonna ask the Lord. We're going to ask the Lord for his help over our kids in these areas, okay? And I'm just going to mention them really quick. I'm going to pop them up on the screen. And here's how you can pray. And let me tell you, when you came in, every parent, we've got prayers that you can pray over your kids, all right? And some of this is on here. Pray that your child would know and serve Jesus with their life. We don't need more church attendees and more church members. We need them to know, have a personal impact, with, a personal experience with Jesus. Pray for your child's mental, emotional, and physical health, all right? So growing up today is different. All kinds of social media pressure. People are more aggressive. Mental health, emotional health is important. Physical health. Pray that your child would be strong in their faith. Know God's word, full of the Holy Spirit and a witness of the gospel. Listen, we're not just trying to keep them from, from sin. We want them to walk into the fullness of God's Word. We want them to be full of God's Spirit. We want them to be a witness for the gospel. I'm not just trying to raise them to stay off of drugs. I want them to know the full power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to pray that as parents. We need to pray against the lies, temptations, attacks from the enemy that would pull our children away from God and, and and His plans for their life. This is intercession. Man, this is when you, man, this is when you are doing spiritual warfare on behalf of your children when lies and, and deceit and the seed of temptation is planted in their heart. Job did this every morning. He's praying over them. Pray for, pray for God's favor over your child's future. God's plan and purpose for their life, their future spouse, their future vocation. This is where we go. God, you've you, you've called us to, to you've called our children with a, a destiny and you have a plan over their life and we're praying over that, okay? We started very early praying over spouses for our kids. Even before we knew Caleb even who existed, we prayed for him, okay? And it's a very wise prayer to pray even now for your, for your, your children, their vocation and all, and all of that. And then the last part of this prayer would be, we pray as a parent that we would be strong in our own relationship with God and that we would be an example of Christ to our child. All right. So there may be a point, you know, that, that we need to come back to the Lord ourself and go, Hey, I realize there's some things spiritually that I need to be, you know, working on in my child's life, but it starts with me. And, hey, Lord, before I pray for my kids, before I pray for my kids, I need to make things right with God myself. I need to make things right with God myself. So I just want to encourage you this morning. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to worship. Our kids are coming back in here, elementary school kids, okay? They're going to walk down this aisle. And when you see your kids, just get them with you. They're going to walk all the way over here. When you see them, just call them because we're going to pray together as families. All right, so grab them. We don't want them to be like unclaimed luggage and they keep walking around here, you know, so, you know, if you'll, if you'll grab them, uh, you know, if you'll grab them, we would, we would appreciate that. I want to, I want to do the prayer but They're already here. So they're coming in. If you're a teenager and your parent is here, would you go sit with them or your grandparent or something like that? Would you just kind of, we just want to sit with families. So they're going to kind of walk and come around because we're going to do a prayer meeting together. We're going to do a prayer meeting together. Find your kiddos there. Yeah, If you're a teenager, would you go kind of find your, your folks there and sit with them? they're going to put that prayer those prayers back up on the back up on the screen There you go. Find your parents. There you go. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Brent. Do the song that we did earlier. The little chorus that we did. Come on. <clears throat> While they're getting settled. And the angels cry. Come on, sing it. Holy how oh creation cries. Holy You are To the the King King of kings. So this is a prayer meeting this morning. Parents, I want you praying over your kids, young kids, your teenagers. If you've got young adults, maybe they're here, maybe they're, you know, not here, I want you to pray over them. If you've got adult kids, you got adult kids, I want you to pray over them. Grandparents, we want to pray. Aunts and uncles, we're praying today. So they're going to put these prayer points one at a time. And then I want you to, I want you to pray over these. So Lord, we come as parents grandparents, Lord, we pray like Manoah. God, we need your help. We need your help today, Lord. We need your help. So as parents, Lord, we're asking for the wisdom uh, to, to lead and guide in parents. So this morning, Lord, we pray that our children will know they'll have an experience with Jesus over their life. God, we don't want it to be cursory. Lord, we don't want it to be, you know, just organizational understanding or mental ascent. Lord, we want them to have a powerful experience with you. And we pray over our children, Lord, that there will be a time, Lord, that you will arrest their hearts, Lord, and they will know they have met with you. Lord, we pray. We pray. For a powerful experience with the Lord in their life Lord we don't want to be like Josiah that in one generation our kids walk away from faith we pray over them today today we pray over their mental and emotional and physical health God we know it's a different world than when we were raised today and Lord we just pray over their little minds hearts and emotions, God, keep your hand upon them as their, their their emotions are formed, their self-image. Lord, we pray over them today. We pray over them today. We pray over their physical health. Lord, some are, I have physical issues. And we pray for the touch of the Lord, the healing power of the Lord to be upon them today. We pray over their mental and emotional and physical health today we pray that our children are going to be strong in the faith lord that they'll know your word be filled with the holy spirit and be a witness for the gospel lord we pray we pray that this gospel is going to penetrate it's going to impact lord we pray over them today lord they are going to be young men and young women of the word of the lord they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit baptized in the holy spirit lord they're going to be a witness lord other young people are going to look at them and see the power and the glory of god we pray over them we declare that this morning that our kids they're going to serve you with fullness they're going to walk in the light they're going to be bold and unashamed in their faith we pray over that today lord we pray over that today We pray against the lies and the temptations and the attacks of the enemy that would pull our kids away from God and his plans for their life. We do that today, Lord. We pray, Lord, we know that we have an adversary today. We have an adversary. And Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over our homes. Lord, as Moses took that brush and put it on the door frames of his house, God, we declare today, man, our kids are going to serve you. And Lord, the enemy would try through temptations, Lord, and lies to pull them away. But, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over our household. We plead the blood of Jesus over our children, Lord. We claim a generational faith this morning that it won't just be my children but my grandchildren, Lord. We come against the power of the enemy. And, God, we ask you, Lord, to do something miraculous in their life. But we war, Lord, against those evil plans and thoughts that would pull them away from their faith. Lord, we pray for your favor over our kids. We pray for their future. Lord, wherever that may be, whatever that takes them, Lord, we pray over their the plan and purpose and destiny for their life today. We pray. Lord, you've created them from their very first breath, and we pray over them today. Lord, we pray that they're going to know their vocation. Lord, they're going to know their call that's upon their life. We pray over their spouse. Lord, every part of their life, we pray. God, we pray for them today. Lord, we want them to walk in your fullness, your plan, and your destiny. And then, Lord, we come as a parent ourselves, and we humble ourselves. As a parent, can we just take a moment as a parent? This is not about the kids, this is about us. Lord, we humble ourselves today. God, we pray, we pray, God, that you would touch our hearts. Maybe you're here today and you're away from the Lord and you, or you're or you not where you should be. This is the moment that you go, hey Lord, I've blown it in some areas but I wanna come back this morning. So Lord, I pray. I pray today as parents, we rededicate ourselves you today Lord to live for you to parent Lord if we've blown it we ask your forgiveness today God we ask you that you would do something powerful in my life Lord so that I can model teach and disciple for my kids and we give you thanks Lord we give you thanks Lord we give you thanks.